I'm not used to this camera, none of this camera shit either. So anytime he like pressed the button, I'm like, oh shit. Let me get it together. So tell me what you were doing when you were 22. What were your, where your mind was at and kind of where you stood with everything? So at 22, um, I believe I was, I was working for KRSilver.com <laughs> at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I was probably working my way up to becoming assistant news editor, working closely with the then managing editor, Nikki McGloster, who really paved the way for me. When I first graduated from Temple University in class of 13, I interned at Buy Magazine and she mm -hmm. was an editor there. She had left, but we stayed in contact. So I followed her around a little bit, like a lost puppy, because I didn't know nothing about this journalism world, right? right. We, she ended up at KarenSilver.com, and she was just like, you want to come right as an intern? It's still unpaid, but I was just like, hell yeah, I want to write for KarenSilver.com. I was right. entertainment was the space at that moment um, that I wanted to be in. Mm -hmm. So at 22, I was really thinking, I'm going to be the next Jermaine Hall, Daytuan Thomas, Angie Martinez. Mm -hmm. I was thinking more of like really dope interviewers, really affected the entertainment space right and it wasn't until kind of a few years later where i really realized that my focus doesn't necessarily have to be in entertainment completely i love lifestyle and i can affect the space of telling really dope stories about dope people they don't have to be rappers and actresses they can be entertainment people they can be the person who decided to step out on faith and open up a comic store mm -hmm. a black old comic store in philadelphia right right um so, but at 22, my focus was, I'm going to be an entertainment on-air host. I'm going to be writing up these dope pieces. I'm going to be a, 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 write, a journalist who writes all the cover stories for Vibe Magazine, XXL, The Source. That's where my mind was headed. With. Tell me what it's like running Brooklyn Butter and your day-to-day -day responsibilities. BrooklynButter.com was officially founded October 2015. We celebrated a year last year. Um, we're coming up on our two year real soon, which is really nice. exciting and scary and just like, how the fuck did this really happen? Right, right. <laughs> um, but um, I say it officially was founded then simply because Brooklyn Butter has been around since like my college years. Right. It's had many different names, but I've always known that I wanted to create a magazine. Like right. I went into journalism school knowing that I was going to create my own magazine. Right. After being editor at Vibe for like seven years and then doing my own consulting thing and then creating a magazine by like 30. Like the goal was always by 30. Right. It just came a little sooner because I realized this journalism world is changing so fast. Like I need to stay up on it and I need to stop. I need to not put a time spot on my dream. Like it's cool to be like by 30 this will happen. But right. I said, you know what? Why not? Why not 23? Why not 24? Why not just go for it and gun it? Right. Um, so... BrooklynButter.com, always original, never aggregated. It was really just an idea that I had of no longer wanting to write Twitter-worthy news um, because a lot of news circulation, no shade, it's aggregated content. It's what we see that is trending on the blogs or other websites. We're taking from those. We're remixing it up in our particular style. Right. And then that's our original content. Content, right, right. I wanted to focus more on interviews. Okay. I wanted to focus more on docu-series like Her Story. Mm -hmm. Her Story is an interview series that I do for the entire month of Women's History Month. Right. I wanted to focus more on these are the people that you should feel inspired, empowered, impacted, ready to go up, get up and do something. Mm -hmm. um, so where while I do have some aggregated content because you're going to need 
it's the culture. It's just a balance. It's the culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't just be out here just. Well, no, I can't. I can't definitely just be spinning out <laughs> the bare original content. But there are ways to take aggregated content and make it original, and that's mm-hmm. by going the opinionated route. So you'll see a lot of my writers take on trendy news items, and they'll have an entire like five hundred word article mm-hmm. stating their opinion, and then I end up with a a comment or underneath my Instagram comments because people are like, no, because this is this. So we had right. to on interracial dating while this like, yo. Yeah, I saw that post. It's like if it determines your it, um, it, it determines how woke how woke you are. So if you're a black man or a black woman, you date a white person. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden your wokeness is diminished because right, right. you're sleeping with the oppressor. Literally. Right. And just looking at the way that or taking you know that type of content and flipping it so that we can push the conversation. That's what makes Brooklyn Butter. Ah, okay, okay. So it's a combination of the really dope and insightful interviews that we create. Mm-hmm. Because I think everybody who's been on my site, I'm just so in awe of them. Whenever I interview somebody, I always leave that interview refreshed, whether it's on the phone, right. whether it's in person. I'm just like, y'all are telling me I'm dope, but what you're doing right. is like amazing to me. Like a Markwell Gilchrist Turner, he's in the world of fashion. He literally left his small town. But he's, his family has never left the compound of that small town, right? Mm-hmm. And it's traveled the world. He's now stationed in Dubai, doing the choices of men's fashion in a new mall. Like to me, I'm just like, yo, that your is like, how? Like, how do you have so much, so much of that like faith within yourself to just be like, I'm gonna just do this and just leave. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a leap, and I'm gonna do it. I I leave every interview feeling like, you know what? Brooklynbutter.com gets on my nerves, but I can do it. The day to day of it, waking up, checking what's trending. Looking at my calendar of like, all right, this is supposed to be done today. Have I done it? Has a writer turned it in? Now I got to email my writer. Because again, none of my writers are paid. And shout outs to them because freelance journalism is hard. And they are working their own jobs. They're working. They have their families. They have, they, they turn it up. They're recent graduates. But they're still sending in pitches once a week. Like, yo, Allie, let's, um, I have these three ideas and these two people who I want to interview. What do you think? And they, they still trust the brand to have a voice on a lot. and communicate. So for me, I'm just ever grateful because most teams, they don't have those loyal freelancers. They come, they do what they do, and then they leave because at the end of the day, this is a hustle. You have to be chasing a check. Right. Um, and I'm not getting any checks from BrooklynButter.com right now. Like We are in our infancy. And I'm, so long as I, I know that as long as I stay with the brand, mm-hmm. by year three, year five, BrooklynButter.com is going to be that, oh, have you checked Brooklyn Butter yet? Have you checked Brooklyn Butter yet? Right, it's right. not that I don't see that now, but I know by three, year five, that growth is just going to be exponential because I'm sticking with it. Right. And that's the importance of it. Okay. And how many people are on the Brooklyn Butter team? So I have about six writers, mm-hmm. um, and they're all pretty consistent. They, they drop their gems. It might be right. once a month or it might be four times a month. It might be even more than that. Like right. Shakira, she drops content very often. Erin right. and Khalil, they've been with me the longest. Um, and whenever they drop a piece, it's gold. Like, right. And I'm always just like, yeah, thank y'all so much. I send them emails and I literally get tired of it. I'm just like, they're like, come on, Allie. Like, you know we got you. Thank you for sending us this. Like, I, I mean, I had working with a t-shirts made and I sent a care package, like, a sign of gratitude. Y'all don't have to pay me for this. Like, Thank y'all so much for being a part of the team. Me, um, recent grads, Jordan, she just joined on. And what she does, she works on my SEO. Mm-hmm. SEO is tedious. It's important. It's yeah. so important. She gets a check for doing SEO at other places. 
She's working with me on some like I want to see this brand happen. Like right. you don't find a lot of people like that. So when right. you do, you have to hold them dear. Right. So a lot of my day to day is connecting with my writers, working on our social media, attending workshops to get better because a lot of entrepreneurs forget that it's not always about hustling to do. Sometimes you need to put on your student cap, go to a class and learn. Yeah. Um so I've been doing a lot of that as of recently. Um can you speak towards the from the beginning to the end of an article being posted on the website? So, um, like I mentioned, I have my writers send in pitches, which are basically just like story ideas. Okay. Um, once to twice a week, depending on how fast the week is going and how in tune they are with what's going on in terms of what they want to write about. Um, I'll review the pitches. I'll look at first, is it timely or evergreen? And timely meaning like this got to get published like tomorrow. Evergreen meaning it could be published next month and the worth of the article doesn't so diminish. Remaining, right. um, so when I, after I assess those two things, if it's a timely article, I hit them back, right back, like, look, Insecure just, their season premiere just happened. The next episode's about to come out. I need this article on Friday. Please you can drop that for me because then we can circulate it all, all weekend mm -hmm. and build that buzz because we're following the Insecure buzz. And if it's a go, they know that I need that article like Friday morning so that I can drop it. If it's a no-go, then it's kind of like, all right, so let's shelf this idea. If you have any other ideas for Insecure, for example, let me know so we can create a, a more realistic timeline because, right. you know, I have to be respectful of the, of the time that they're that giving. Time, yeah. um, if it's an evergreen article, then I normally look at, okay, what's going on in the world? Um, let's say it's kind of like an article that can cater towards somebody that's going back to school. Right. And you're pitching this in like mid-July. So I might say, all right, Let's get this article done within the next week. So let's say it's Thursday. I, I need this by next Wednesday. Um, and then I'll edit it. And I'll kind of take my time with editing because I want to see, like, what are some back-to-school trends that are happening? Mm -hmm. Because then I may have to send that back uh, to one of my writers and, like, hey, so this big major event in terms of back-to-school is coming up. So let's add some of those tidbits, some of those previews. Right. And then when we drop it, it all aligns. Even though the article might have been written, like, a month ago, mm -hmm. it all aligns with what's going on now. So it really just depends on the worth of the article in terms of what we're writing about. And the urgency, right, right. Yeah. Okay. It also kind of urgency. Um, earlier, you mentioned uh, that you were raised around a lot of entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. specifically your dad. So what would you say was the turning point for you to make the leap into entrepreneurship at, when you did it opposed to two or three years before? So um, it's funny because when I told my dad that I was leaving my job uh, to focus on Brooklyn Butter, he was just like, Right. Why are you like, doing that? Why would you do that? <laughs> what are you doing? Like, this is... He could not understand this, like, you know... He's acting like that. He couldn't even find words. And then he was just like, I need a drink. And mind you, it was just like, it was 8 o'clock in the morning. It was before I was going to work. The, the last working day of my job, I was like, I let me tell my parents that this is my last day of my job. Right. But then some of the work that you're supposed to do when you're about to leave your job is take a leap of faith. I saved some money. I knew that I was... I knew that if anything, I bartend. So... Push comes to shove, if money's real tight, I can go bartend. I can hustle and I'll still work. have some money to right. cover myself. Um, but the leap to just kind of gun it and go for it is I'm young. So 23, 24, I had no kids. I'm not married. I don't have to pay rent. So the choices of not having all that overhead, I'm just kind of like, you know what? Why not? Why not do this now rather than wait when I'm married with children and like, real true responsibilities mm -hmm. that could make like major heavily into like affecting my life. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? 
while I'm young and can still claim on being dumb, right. I can leave this job that isn't making me happy. I am not excited to go to work. I do not talk about my work with my friends. And my friends know when I'm excited about something, when I'm passionate about something, I'm talking your it. ear off about it. Right, right. They knew that I wasn't happy because they weren't hearing that from me. Mm-hmm. So to even have my friends and my older brother be like, yo, I can tell you that. I, like, it's so obvious. I didn't even make it a year to that job. I left that job at the 11th month mark. Right. And that's the most important thing as an entrepreneur. You just don't give up. Don't give up. But, but, but to even begin, you have to have a certain like mindset. So for you to even begin knowing that it was a struggle with you mm-hmm. possibly differentiating yourself, how did you, what still pushed you to just say, fuck it, I'm going to do it? Like just jump over and just. Because um, you got to be, th- you have to have some sort of value in yourself, you know what I'm saying, to yeah, do that. Yeah, I, I, I can say for one thing, I've always embodied a sense of overconfidence in terms of knowing like, if I'm going to do this, I'm just going to fucking do it. Like, right. it's going to happen. Right. But I also am blessed, truly blessed, to have a, a lot of amazing people around me. Right. The bar that I work at, Therapy Wine Bar, it is a black-owned wine bar by Angela Terry and Anthony Williams. And watching them create a wine bar in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, like, that, those two things, for a lot of people, don't make sense. Right. To see them persevere, and they're going on eight years. Right. That was always just like a... Nah, because they're going to look at me crazy because they know what I'm doing. They're going to look at me crazy if I just give up. Right. I have really great friends who would be like, Allie, it's, today's a hard day. The site crashed. You didn't get the piece of that you wanted. You didn't get the interview that you wanted. This is today. Right. Accept today for what it is. Take a shot Keep of Jameson. Moving. Go to bed. Wake up and do <laughs> you, it. So early, when we spoke before, you mentioned that you understood that going into like the journalism realm, could also equal out to no money. So what made you go to school for it and like push for making the platform along these lines? It wasn't until I got to college that I realized that this whole journalism thing is not a money maker. Mm-hmm. Point being, my, my first day of my orientation, I'll never forget. What school are we talking about again? Temple University. Temple University, okay. Uh, Philadelphia. My professor, George Miller, he goes, so for all of you in this room, I definitely understand that you will all have a passion for writing, you might have a passion for telling the news, you might be have a passion for investigative and you know, getting to the end of a great story. Right. I wanna tell you this right now. <laughs> a is A just pass your math class. We know that because you are here, that means math might not be your strongest subject. Do what you need to do to get that passing grade and push on. Right. So that was one. Right. I was like, oh shit, I think he's talking to me because I'm definitely taking remedial math this year. The second thing was, if you're in this room right now and you're thinking about becoming a millionaire, the door is right there. And I was confused when Instantly. he said that. I was like, why are you right? Like, huh? He was like, this is not a field where you're coming in here knowing that you're going to be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company bringing in millions of dollars for every fiscal year. This is a job where you might be freelancing for four different publications and only one publication pays you on time. All right. This is a field where you're on contract and you're doing a lot of work, long hours, editing, staying up late, being on call for editors, but it's very thankless. Um, you're going to be criticized a lot. Like that red pen is there. Like you might think you're the greatest writer in the world. You're gonna be an editor top editor, you're gonna come and do TED Talks. Right. But your professor is looking at this like, this is shit, this is shit, this is shit, and this is why. Right. So boss up and rewrite it. And majority of the time, like, I'll submit work and I'll be like, I, ooh, I feel so good about this. I know this I did good, right. I would get it back if Professor Tharks was just <laughs> red pen me crazy. And I'd just be like, 
But hell, like, I just, she's like, you did a great job, but it could be better. Like, this, right. is a, this is definitely a field where if you don't believe in the word better and growth mindset, don't, don't, don't even. Because well, earlier you mentioned imposter syndrome, and to my understanding, imposter syndrome is when you reach a certain level of success or something works out for you, but you don't necessarily feel accountable for what happened or you don't feel like you were responsible for the success. Do you feel like you encounter um, imposter syndrome sometimes? There's been times where I even feel like an imposter for just being in an entrepreneur's shoes. Like, I felt like maybe running this brand, maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this because I have friends who are running successful brands. This is for them. I, is this really for me or am I just trying to make this mine? Like, I've, I've definitely felt like after a successful event, uh, my vision board brunch that I did this past year, it was over 50 people. I had a pop-up shop featuring like seven different brands. Right. They all, um, they were all thanking me. Everybody was so, they were happy. And even though there were certain parts of the event that didn't go to my liking, simply because, you know, where I was at, no shade. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just like, you know, there's certain things that you do that fucking I feel that. Like, but for everybody in the room to be so happy, for everybody in the room to walk out of there with a vision board that they feel like, you know what, this really captures what it is that I want to do. And I've never done one before, or this is a great bonding time with my friends. Um, I felt in that moment like out of body experience, that like I wasn't even there. Right. I went to dinner with my friends afterwards, and they were all just like, yo, Allie, you killed it. Allie, this was an amazing event. Allie, I'm so proud of this, like, is this supposed to be happening right now? Right. Because at first, the event wasn't even selling. Right. So for someone who's a new brand, for someone who was hosting a second annual brunch, for, for someone who is literally pouring the last bit of money that they have out of their bank account for this to happen, running credit cards crazy. Right, crazy. You're, you're, at first, your initial thought is like, five people, five, only five people are coming. Yo, I, I booked the space. I, I, I paid for the speaker. I, I paid for supplies. I'm paying for food. I'm paying for drinks. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Right. And then like within the last week and a half, over 40 people purchased tickets. And I'm just like, whoa. Right. I didn't do that. I, I don't even. I couldn't have did that. How did I do that? Right. I just, someone else did that for me. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, Allie, you stayed up all night creating a menu. You stayed up all night working with the pop-up shop brands that were going to come there, being very intentional about who you were going to have in the room. You made sure that everything that you did was in place, and you worked their ass off to get those people in the room so that they could receive mm-hmm. this information. So doubting yourself is so much about entrepreneurship because you never feel like what you're doing is right because right. it's thankless. It's you by yourself in your room, like, charting out ideas, bringing it to an amazing team, and executing it. And then when it's executed, you're just like, how did that happen? Right. Well, you thought about it. it. You right, did right. it. You worked with your team to make it happen. <laughs> okay, thank you, Allie, for coming on to 22 with no clue. Oh. Um, Brooklyn Butter can be reached online at... Brooklynbutter.com. Brooklynbutter.com. Brooklyn what about... B-U-T-T-A-H. dot com. And you have a Twitter and Instagram. And Facebook. And a Facebook. Facebook at Brooklyn Butter everywhere. Okay, and uh, we are trying to establish a new tradition now, so um, we want everyone to put their stamp on the wall, so do you mind doing the honors of putting the butter stamp on the wall?